Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show. As always, coming at you on a Wednesday or a Thursday, whatever day we kind of feel we have the time. Uh, I'm always joined by Combo. Combo, great to have you here. Uh, good to see you. All is well, Coach Nick, man. Good to see you, too. I know you were traveling. We didn't get to do this this week, uh, last week, and I'm happy we're back at it this week. Yes, yes. It was a, it was a, it was a long week. But I was hanging out with my dad in uh, Florida. I was a, having a great time and certainly uh, enjoying the 80-degree weather there versus the 50 degrees and raining for 15 hours straight like we have here in L.A. So uh, I'm waiting. I, we, it's unprecedented what the weather we're dealing with right now. I know a lot of people in the rest of the country are probably not feeling sorry for me, but man, it's rough. It was snowing here yesterday, so... Oh, okay. Well, okay. Enjoyed that snow. Listen, I don't mind snow. I don't, I don't like the 50-degree raining weather. That's when it gets into your bones. But uh, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, Super Chat on YouTube is the way to go. And we have a friend of the breakdown, Age of Brevity. Thank you so much for the Super Chat and from Canada. Again, all the Can Canadians I know are always the, the nicest people in the world. So thank you. Will Luca develop into a better defender? Here's a I'm glad. Let's take a left turn and get to another subject here. Um, my answer, I guess, would be no. Uh, what do you think, Combo? Wow, no. Um, I hope with time, Luca takes his offseason more seriously. I think it was great for him that he played Eurobasket this season because he did come into the season in shape. But he does have to take conditioning more seriously because we see in fourth quarters he drops off a little bit. I think a big part of it is the roster they build around him. So it won't be as much as of a heliocentric offense. So he won't take as much of his bandwidth on the offensive side. So it leaves him a little bit of bandwidth for the defensive side. What do you think, Coach Nick? Uh, I agree. I mean, listen, he's so good offensively. He doesn't need to be a lockdown defender on the other end because he's always going to be a net positive across the game generally. Um, I am a little bit surprised. This is the th same thing we saw with, like, LeBron, for instance, where teams don't, like, really just go at him. And I'm trying to picture even my mind's eye, like, in the playoffs the last couple of years. I can't picture, like – bring his man up in the pick and roll. I mean, maybe, wait, maybe I do, and I am picturing that now, and they just would mercilessly attack him in the pick and roll, let those point guards blow by him every time. Um, but but they should be doing that, and they should have been doing it to LeBron all those years, and they didn't. And they, you know, it, whenever, whenever there were, there were little cracks in the armor with LeBron where you'd see him not really wanting to play defense, certainly not wanting to play defense in a, like a, in a low post situation, and yet teams really wouldn't put him in the situations at all. It was always a little bit mind, uh, head scratching to me. So I would definitely do that if I were whoever's guarding uh, playing uh, Dallas in the first round and at least find out right away uh, how that's going to work for you because you can get him into foul trouble. You can get easy buckets. You can get him frustrated and off his game on, uh, from the, on the other end. Uh, it seems like there isn't a lot of um, uh, risk to doing that. Yeah, I mean, look, Michael Jordan was an anomaly. To be the best offensive player and have that much bandwidth on the defensive side, you never, ever see that too much. I mean, Kawhi had that one season in Toronto where it was like that, but those guys didn't even have the usage rate of Luka Doncic. So it's very hard to have that kind of load on offense and just have all this kind of energy for the defensive side. I mean, listen, Michael Jordan will be playing you the world's smallest violin on that one. Um, but uh, I, I hear you. And, and also there's an injury issue to the way the game is played right now. It's just, just the nature of it, whether or not it's uh, players are different than they were back in the day when they didn't have as many catastrophic injuries or even just, you know, injuries that last 15 games at a time. Um, that is the baseline now. Like, players get injured more often for whatever reason, and to protect against that, defense is one of those areas where you can um, 
dial it down a little bit and then save your body so you're not going to be on the bench uh, more than you have to be. So I get it. It's it's fine. And again, and again, you're talking about the, one of the top you know players in the in the world of all time. So um, he doesn't have to be great on defense. But uh, and as a result, I don't even know if I feel like he's been terrible defensively. I just think that um, you're right. Uh, what what he does. What he would improve with lateral movement-wise and explosiveness would be directly related to him being in better shape and, and actually training better, probably getting less body fat and um, just being more of an explosive athlete. He, he's got sneaky athletic ability. He does seem like it gets buried a little bit uh, uh, you know, underneath the, uh, the exterior that he needs to trim down a little bit. Yes, he's definitely a better athlete than people think he is. I mean, he's very strong. He has great deceleration, great body control around the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the slowest guy in the world. He just plays at his own pace. Like, if you watch Luka Doncic chase down a loose ball, which he doesn't do all the time, but what he does, like, he could move his feet. He, 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 he's a good athlete. He's not an elite NBA athlete, but he's a good enough athlete to be a good defender, and hopefully he improves upon it over time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that just reminds me, I, I want to bring up another there's another video I got to get done really soon. So let's just think here. Uh, I'm almost done. I'm doing a video on Clay being the guy that's, that would that would uh, realistically break the um, three-point record that he owns right now at 14. Um, and we've seen recently in the last couple months him go on some heaters where he'll have like eight and a half. Uh, he had 12 against OKC. He had 12 against Houston. He had 10 against Houston earlier in the year. And then he went off for eight in the first half against Phoenix and then didn't hit another one. Um, so let me ask you this real quick. Um, do you think that, I I think that someone's going to get 20 in a game. What do you think? Yeah. And I think your clay take is spot on. We all know that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter to ever play in the NBA, but I'm not sure if he's more flammable than clay Thompson. When clay Thompson is hot, there's nothing like it. We've seen him drop 38 in a quarter. He just gets so hot. It's ridiculous. And he's not the guy, like I was thinking of, in another era, he'd be Kyle Korver. He'd be um, Rip Hamilton, you know, to some degree. The guy, well, Rip did bring uh, dribble the ball off or shoot off the dribble a little bit. But, like, uh, a lot of those guys simply would never, ever dribble the ball. They would only do catch-and-shoot threes. But Clay gets his fair share now of off-dribble threes and creating that way, and that's when he really gets on a heater. And then he'll do some sort of ISO. So he had set, like, in those three games against goal, uh, against Phoenix – uh, OKC in Houston. I targeted those three. Um, he had seven like YOLO uh, heat checks, uh, ISO threes off the dribble. Basically, uh, he had six of them, and they're, they're all. I think every one of them was like, "Okay, time out. We got to get this guy cooled down." So um, that's the little thing that that is a, that separates him from like in the days of yore, the guys who were a lot like him who wouldn't shoot off the dribble like that. And I agree. I think the thing with Curry is if you're going to make twenty threes, you're going to have to take 25, 26, right? Um, I don't think that Curry can get 26 threes off. There's too much focus on him. They, they jam him on, on the pick and rolls, get the ball out of his hands a lot. Um, that's w- and, but for that reason, it's why Clay could do it. Um, now, that's the other question. How many shots do you think you need to be able to make 20 threes in a game? For Clay, it would take a lot. I think pretty much what you said, around 25, 26. I think another player to mention in all this is like, Rip is a great one because I think if he was playing now, he'd be shooting more threes. And he'd be able to do some of that from the three-point area. I think he just played an era where that wasn't common. But Reggie Miller was another guy that if he played now, he'd probably maybe be able to get there. He was super flammable himself. He just didn't have the volume like a Clay Thompson. Oh, yeah. Well, Eddie Johnson was like that, too. Uh, there's uh, Or even, uh, by the way, um, uh, uh, 
Del Curry could have done it. Del Curry would was hot like Steph Curry, like like Clay Thompson was. I mean, you know what I mean. Del could get on benders too, and uh, and it was so fast his release. Uh, it was not, but you know, he'd do a little bit more from like you know mid range stuff. But there's no question. I think he could have done that uh, from three point land too. You know who's underrated in this regard because everybody looks at him as a showman? Pistol Pete. I mean, he averaged 44 without the three-point line. He was shooting a lot of deep threes in college. He dropped 68 in the NBA. So who yeah. knows what he could have done in this era? Yeah. I mean, again, if he was the point of attack, that's that, that's the, the sticking point, A. And then, B, if you're hitting 15, 16 threes, most likely you're up by a lot and you're not going to be able to play the whole game. Like I, I think that's the other issue we've seen with, like, Steph not being able to get, like, into the 80s. Um, for some some of those uh, games that looked like he would because they were up by a lot. Um, so that, all those things have to align. That's why when Kobe got the 81, that game was close, and that was important. Otherwise, they, he probably wouldn't have played the full minutes either because that would have been a blowout. We have another another um, Super Chat. Thank you so much from Hop Hayes. I think this is a new Super Chat from a new user, so thank you so much for being part of the show. Uh, let's get the random questions out of the way. <laughs> Where do you see my boy Zach Eddy going in the draft? Oh, man. Thanks for the content, dudes. Okay. I don't know, Zach. Is it Edie or, or Eddie? It's easy. Do you know how yeah, to say you it? You can pronounce it either way. He's seven foot five. He's an interesting draft prospect. It depends on how they do in the tournament, right? March Madness bump is real, but, you know, I do think it's another Taco Fall situation where it's just going to be tough to play him, I don't know, 25 minutes a game, 30 minutes a game. I don't think his type of game translates in the NBA too well. First of all, you got to be able to guard anybody. Here's the two questions. Can you guard anybody? Can you guard everybody? And I don't think he can. I don't think you're going to, you know, revolve your offense around Zach Eady post touches. So it's just going to be very difficult for him to play in the NBA. I wish the best for him. Hopefully he goes late first round, but I think he's a second round guy. I, I remember this now. Now I, I, I have in my mind's eye a little bit of uh, from like maybe last year of a memory of, of him. And yeah, I mean, listen, uh, um, the, the kind of um, the kind of players uh, like that uh, don't tend to get a lot of that kind of run in the NBA. Um, you know, go down, command the ball, low, low post. I mean, you know, like, you know, Embiid does it. You know, not even um, Jokic really does it like that, you know, and Vucevic, they all come out to the perimeter now, you know. Shangun? Uh, Shangun, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. He, he might be the one. Okay. But, but I would even think Eddie, in my mind, is even like less uh, athletic or less. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Than yes. That. Um, yes. And more about like, I'm just going to drop step, you know, shoot yes, over yes, you. Yes, yes. Um And so, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll have to find that out. I, I would be surprised, though, if he gets um, – you know, a situation where he'd be allowed to get his 10 post-ups a game and really be able to show that part of it. And then also, you know, what's going to happen when they start having him play pick and roll uh, and have to go side to side. That's going to be an interesting thing. I don't I don't remember in my mind's eye. He's not quick, right? Mm-mm. He's slow. No. He's slow footed. I mean, he's skilled. He has a nice touch around the rim. But, you know, I've been talking about this a lot on my podcast it's not about being a really good NBA player. I mean, being a really good basketball player anymore. You could be a really good basketball player, but if you don't fit an NBA niche, you're not going to be play in the NBA. Even if you're a top 400, 500 player in the world, if you're a five foot 11 bucket getter, like Mike James to me is a top 400 player in the world, in my opinion, but he doesn't yeah. fit an NBA niche. He doesn't fit well around other star players. And that's what it's all about at the NBA level. If you're not a star. 
Yeah, and I, I Mike James got a little bit of run with the Nets, and I and I you know I felt like he did fine. Uh, I don't know why he necessarily needed to leave that quickly. He could have stayed and then found you know a little bit of a thing. But you're right. What he what he can do in Euroleague now is a lot more than he can do in the NBA. I'm sure he's treated more like a star there, which is you know nice. And I'm sure he gets paid more uh, as well. So all those things would factor into him going there. Uh, eight seam ball. Uh, I need to get one. I'm going to order one because I, I have a feeling that the eight seam ball that the Euroleague uses and the FIBA uses uh, is maybe easier to control. It might be a different shooting experience. You, you you have experience with that. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I play with it. I I always felt it was very easy to dunk with. I always felt like I had more bounce with that basketball. Maybe it's because I could palm it easier. Um, when you get into rhythm with it, it's very nice. I love that basketball. It felt a little small, but, you know, that was yeah. a good thing. So well, I, I it feels it. small because with eight seams, then the right. panels are smaller, and so you can now right. grip it better. I, I remember when I was growing up, I could just about palm a real NBA ball back in the 80s, which are not mm-hmm. like they are now. And I, I have to imagine the channel was deeper back then. I think that's the mm-hmm. difference now. The leather was probably a little bit different. It, it felt so good. And I felt like Dr. J when I would have – when I played the NBA ball. Um, and now the, the ball is like really hard, uh, and then the channels are not are kind of shallower, so um, it's not as not as you know grippable. Um, and I do think that there's something about that that could affect a lot of things, maybe even the bounce in the rim with the extra panels. So um, for sure, there's something there which also is, just creates a difference in the in the uh, in FIBA. Maybe I'll do a video on that as well. Um, if you didn't if you didn't see it, I did a video already describing why it's harder to score in uh, Euroleague than it is in the NBA, uh, as as per uh, Doncic and and Jokic and Giannis all said that. So I, I kind of was able to show why that was. Was that the video combo was supposed to be on, but he wasn't? Oh, man. I guess so. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> i got a small window, and I'm my hair is on fire. Every time I'm trying to do a video, like, I just – I was supposed to get one done today. The Dane was supposed to come out on, you know, earlier. Everything is, you know – welcome to my life um, as a YouTuber and a, and a member of a family uh, and, uh, and, a, and a human that needs sleep. So yeah. – Speaking of YouTube and family, Space Jam is now streaming on YouTube. For free, it's pretty I, I, cool. I it was terrible, wasn't it? No, no, no. The first one, the first one. Oh uh, well, I mean that one I, I I've seen, but eh, it's okay. I did do a breakdown. Uh, of that one. You can go on my channel and watch that. I broke down Space Jam, the basketball in Space Jam. I will so. watch that. I'll actually watch that with my son. I will watch. Yeah, that. that that was fun. Although you know, I do allude to the fact that they were giving them uh, PEDs at halftime, uh, which is what that special. It was water. Was. It was. It yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of it wasn't like in a spray. I don't know. Anyway, so. We have another super chat, my goodness gracious, from Zeka. Thank you so much, Zeka, friend of the breakdown. What's the Warriors' biggest issues on the road? Is it mainly the defense? How do they flip that switch on the road when they are so dominant at home? Okay, so it is the defense. Although, you know what? It, may be worth, it might be worth me just checking really quickly because I know, and I'll give you the updated numbers because I had had it maybe a week and a half ago. They were what the ratings were defensively and the splits at home versus away. Uh, I know defensively, let's get that going real quick. Um, Let's see here. Right now, overall, the Warriors in, in the defense is uh, ranked 14th average, okay, at 113.4. At home, where is it? Uh, all locations. At home, if you do this, they are ranked um, – what? Oh, okay. Well, they've gotten worse at home now. Now they're, they're ranked – wait, let me make sure that's right. Sometimes this doesn't always refresh properly. Oh, yeah, good. I'm glad I did that because it did. It, re- it looked like it refreshed, but it didn't. They're ranked third in the league at home versus all the other teams at home. Okay, so they're all stacked that same way. Third at 108. They're like a, a completely elite defensive team at home. And if you look at it on the road, 
and then hit the button so I know. Make sure they see that. Uh, they are 28th in the league. That's like, and I and I did. I have my guys at, um, um, oh my goodness, at uh, Second Spectrum. Bucket List fans, uh, the Bucket List fans, go there on, on Twitter. You can follow them. He's got uh, an incredible database. I had him look it up, and he's going he's to get me more data. I don't think there's anybody who's ever had a bigger dichotomy between home and away defensive rating. It's insane how big that is, third or 28th. Uh, that is it. That's the whole ball game right there because offensively, let's just look at the offensive rating. Um, at home or on the road, they're 16th. Um, and at home, they are um, 13th. That's fascinating. So they're pretty much they're very consistent at home. By the way, let me let me just say overall here, um, I thought they were ranked higher, I guess, without Steph playing for a bunch of those games. They're only ranked 14th in offense. So you can argue that they're like there is an issue there as well. But um, certainly there's no difference between them on a uh, home or a road. It is the defense, the defense, the defense. Now, this is the big question that we have to kind of figure out. And I'm going to do a video on this next week uh, as I start to try and figure out what the, what's going on because it doesn't make sense, right? Why would they why would they play defense differently on the road? Do you have a take on this one? They're not as motivated for some reason. When I actually watch them play, the eye test tells me that they're just not playing as hard on defense, and that's a lot what defense has to do with. I don't know if they're tired when the road. I don't know what it is. I know the situation with Wiggins is, man, it's uh it's kind of crazy because I think some, I think Coward went on TV and said like, there's a chance he won't return at all. So that's going to be a big hit to their defense in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I haven't really wanted to find that out if I, you know, and even if I could, um, I, you know, there, someone was saying that like, you know, his, uh, if it's his wife or people in his family are, are posting normally on their accounts. So it doesn't seem like it's some sort of family wide issue that he's dealing with. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. And you're right. If without him, forget about it. They're not going to get out of the first round, I don't think. Um, and that's a big issue, too, without having him, because defensively he does so many things for them that's, that are great. Um, but, but you know, we, we know that teams play better offensively at home. So that's, that's something, right? Like, you know, and then you're on the road. You're going to play the team that's going to play better offensively. That's one thing. Uh, but I think if we pull it apart, we'll probably see a couple different things. And I, I would hate to say it's like they're not mentally tough. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to make the NBA, you are very mentally tough. You know, that, that shouldn't be a thing where the team-wide, it all falls apart. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to look at it, but I would imagine a lot could have to do with, like, three-point percentage is a lot higher. But, again, it's higher because they're at home, and, like, they feel more comfortable, they shoot better. It's, that, that's a fact. Um, so, why would that be that much different than for the Warriors and anybody else? So, um, we'll tease some numbers out coming up and trying to figure out a little bit more of it. But, um uh, they very well could just be the thing where they they, they have certain defensive uh, baseline fundamentals that they're doing that maybe they get away with at home, you know, because those teams on the road aren't going to shoot as well, even though they get the open shots. And then at home, they don't work. And that's that's an interesting thing that they need to change. Uh, that that would be the one thing I would almost think that is happening, because otherwise it's the you know, you're playing the same defense. You're drilling the same defense, the same rotations. Why would it be so different? Yeah, I think, you know, Steve Kerr is usually pretty transparent about his team. I wonder what his thoughts are and if anybody asked him about this yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he might tell you something about like just mentally tough, mental, mental toughness. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I again, I, I would love to think that, you know, those guys that can get to the NBA, they, that they're mentally tough. They don't just sort of fall apart just because they're on the road. And by the way, where I would see that having an effect would be the offense, not the defense. So it's really, it's a, it's a really weird thing. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure my guys are going to tell me when they do all the numbers. I, unless they did, I can't. Look at my brain is so foggy with the, the, all the time change and the whatever travel. Uh, he might have already told me that no one's ever had that big of a, of a difference, uh, you know, uh, in the league. I, I got to look. It, it really is a, an anomaly, which, by the way, maybe with a little extra practice uh, in between the regular season and the playoffs, they can kind of tune that up a little bit and figure it out. But uh, I got to tell you, I'm sure that they'd pay a lot of money to figure out <laughs> what it is. Uh, and if I, maybe I can do it, uh, in the next week or so and, and come up with a real solid solution, but it, but it's really, really strange. And it's only their defense, but then it, which is a good point about looking at all the numbers is that I don't think I realize how low their offensive rating is that needs to uh, change. Um, and that said, I think with Curry now being back and having the consistent minutes, I, I can't believe actually, let's check the last since he's been back because that's gotta be higher. You, uh, in your forward. opinion, are the Warriors still legit title contenders? Only with um, only completely fully healthy. Only. So he's been back for one, two, three, four, five games. So in the last five games, let's look at this. Um, the Warriors are ranked. Oh, come back here. Last five games. Get stats. The Warriors on offense in the last five games. Uh, they're ranked 23rd, but uh, there's a, bu- a couple, uh, a bunch of teams here who are just lighting it up. Uh, but that said, their offensive rating is 112.6, which is still not very impressive. In the last five games, the Sixers are at 129.7 and the Kings are 124. They're going crazy. But um, even still, if you look at the what the Warriors numbers are, 112.6 isn't going to cut it. So they, they, they have some things to figure out in a hurry. But again, if they, and if they can figure that out and they get Wiggins back, uh, then, then you have to give them a legitimate shot at getting to the finals. That, that's going to have to be on the table, but, but not the way this is going right now. Yeah, I mean, when you look at their home record, the optimistic approach to this could be that they have a high ceiling. Like, they play pretty well when they're at home, and if they could play like that in the playoffs and get everybody back in the lineup, you know, they got a chance. The other thing is the West is wide open, so there's like seven teams that could win the West. So there's a bunch of teams that are still optimistic. Okay, yeah. Well, we got somebody in the comments I've been noticing. We're going to have to light him up a little bit. Do you mind, Combo? What do you, what do you say? Uh, we got someone, the talker, uh, maybe he's from Europe, uh, and is talking about how, okay, first he says the EuroLeague ball is nicer to play with. Okay, good. I, I like that. Um, EuroLeague arrow system is the best thing ever. Is that the uh, is that the jump ball, that arrow system? Is that what he's talking about? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the, we college has that too. Um, re- NBA refs are really bad at not calling traveling. Uh, well, that's kind of nonsense. They, they really are great at, at understanding what the rules are. And we explain, I spent a lot of time on Twitter explaining why it's not a travel uh, by rule. Um, and by the way, when I did the EuroLeague thing, I saw all sorts of blatant travels that the EuroLeague refs let go. So you can't tell me that they're like great at it either, right? Like they're, they are letting the stuff go left and oh, right. Wait, no, wait. The, the NBA is an actual jump ball, right? Yeah, they actually jump it. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think in Europe they um, there's alternate. no jump. Yeah, it's yeah. alternate, like like college, right? Yeah, like college. Yeah, yeah in high school. Yeah. Um, so whatever, but yeah, so so the traveling thing, eh, that's not a, it's not an argument. Sorry, uh, NBA teams are bad on defense. Europe teams are not. I, I gotta tell you, whenever I go through your league footage combo, I, I think I said this before. The biggest takeaway I get is how bad the defense is, how bad the rotation, like intentionally, how bad it's, the rotations are. It's it's mind numbing. What I'm telling you is is that it's just a different reality over there, which sounds like philosophical and nonsense. But they just grew up playing basketball totally differently. Like their schemes are just absolutely different. So they look at over here as total nonsense, right? It's all perception. 
I it, well, but it's results. It's like look what you're doing. You're giving up open threes because you're nexting these pick and rolls by being out of position. Yeah. I don't. I just can't understand it. You know, the only way to solve it is have uh, interplay games. Yeah. You know? Okay. Great. I gotta tell you, and I, and I give uh, one of my buddies, uh, Christian Pelotti, uh, uh, so much crap in the DMs. He does play by play for Europe uh, Euroleague games, uh, or sorry, he does the play by play for NBA games in in. Um, uh, Finland. I, oh crap! He's in a game. It's is it Finland? Wherever he's from in that area of the, of the world. What's uh, it, what's his name? That's a cool job. What's his name? Uh, Christian uh, Pelotti. P a l o t i e. We I interact with him. You'll see him on Twitter. He's great. And so um, I always, but I give him so much crap because I'm like, how can you play this way? And if he, if you tried that in the NBA, they would just light it up every possession. And 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 by the way, I'm pointing it out because they light it up in the Euro League too, and they and, and they don't change. It's it's crazy to me. Um, I don't know if I can do that video, unfortunately, because the EuroLeague uh, is helping, you know, is, 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 is not quite sponsoring the videos I'm doing recently, but they obviously, I'm not going to do like a negative and light them on fire thing. But if I can figure out a way to do it where the, the good and the bad and make it really balanced, I might do that. But I, I, you won't believe it. If I did the video, you'll, you, if, you, if I could explain what I'm seeing consistently, I think you would agree, I, I would hope, uh, based on the evidence that um, there's just really no, crazy stuff going on. No, this, this is what you should do. You should have a Euroleague coach come on the live show, yeah, and then and then bring up plays and say what's happening here, and Gosh. he might he'll he'll probably be able to explain things to you, you know, in a way that others people from America can't. Yeah. No. Okay. Fantastic idea. Maybe I should just go to Europe and we'll do it in person. Yes. Yes. That'd um, be great. Yeah. Because that's I'm threatening to do that anyway. Now that uh, we are in uh, 2023, so I might actually do that anyway and figure out how to make that happen. But that's the best idea I've heard all week, Combo. So thank you for that one. Uh, because you're right. Like, yeah, maybe he would convince me. I suppose. But like, you know, I don't know. I've seen enough help you one know, pass away off the corners to know that's not a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. Look, man. When I first went overseas, a lot of it didn't make sense. Right. And then, like, over time, I'm like, you know, I see certain things a little bit differently. That's what I'm saying. And you might not agree with them, but you might be able to see their side of things in a better light. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a defensive snob, if you will, because um, when I, when I, if I, I'm a, you know, if I see it and I don't, it doesn't work for me, I'm like, I'm calling that out. I'm like, this is, you know, and I get upset. I really, I get upset about certain things that violate my, you know, the principles I, I think I've amassed. By the way, it was funny. I was at the Clippers game on Saturday against the Knicks. And um, <laughs> and Russ, um, Russ misses a layup in, in, in transition going too fast. There's an open layup, a right-handed layup. And everyone's like, it groans, whatever. And then he does it again. It was worse the second time. And I, I almost, I, I kind of started to get up like I was going to leave the, the arena. <laughs> like I really was so, it violated everything. I couldn't believe that I had seen them do it again. Uh, and then meanwhile, uh, you know, Lou doesn't play him in the fourth quarter, uh, hardly at all. And certainly not during crunch time. And that's what I've been trying to tell everybody about that is, you know, and I think Russ was good. He made some good passes. He finished some shots. He was good. But, um, but you, you know, you just got, you can't have him in there uh, like that. And, and I literally, I, I started to get up. Like I didn't even know what I was doing instinctually. And I was literally like to get out to leave because I, I was, it was such an affront, but to miss so many, like, you know, multiple layups and transition when you're open. Um, we have another, um, uh, another super chat from a, from a friend of the breakdown, Pimp named Slickback. Slickback. Thank you so much, Pimp. Uh, hey, fellas, you guys heard me crying all summer about my nets. What's your thoughts? I love me some Mikhail Bridges. I have hope again. Uh, they're fun, right? They're, they're, they're kind of fun. No one's expecting a lot of them. Um, they're not necessarily winning a ton, right? I, I, I last I checked, it wasn't great. 
Um, let me just look at the uh, the last couple here. Uh, the Nets, I mean, they're in sixth place and they've uh, they're five and five, so they're kind of back and forth and trying to figure some things out. But certainly, Mikael Bridges has been unlocked. Yeah, look, I, I tweeted this mid February and I just reposted on my Instagram. Mikael Bridges no longer plays for a contender, but he's in a better better spot to expand his game. And that's what happened. Like he's getting opportunities, getting more in-game reps with the basketball in his other role in Phoenix. He, um, you know, all they needed from him was defense threes and maybe some straight line drives. He didn't get a lot of opportunity to create, but now he has that opportunity to create and he's thriving. Yeah. I got to do a video on this too. I mean, there's, there's no shortage, which is great. Cause I think there was a while there in this, in the season where I was like struggling to come up with a good idea. And now I have, uh, they're all backed up and I have to, I'm trying to get to them and struggle. So be prepared uh, for a bunch to kind of come out. Of course, I have to go out of town next week again uh, and I'm going to miss some time, but um, uh, I, you know, be prepared for this to ramp up uh, going forward uh, sports fans. Cause I, I have a lot to get out. I want to get it out before the season ends. But yeah, Mikhail Bridges, if you look at the last um, of his last one, two, three, four, five, six of his last seven games, he's hit 30 plus in six of them or five, yeah. one, two, three, four, five uh, with a 25 piece and a, and a win over Denver uh, uh, on one of those. So he's really I mean, this is a little bit unprecedented because we've always talked about this in the sense that like a lot of players are really good. And don't get a chance. Right. The 10th the man on a team and never get a chance could light it up if he got if he got to play like. Luca or like Harden, not everybody, because that's a different animal who can do that kind of thing. But a lot of these guys could probably fill it up if they, for whatever reason, could get uh, out of the doghouse or get into the rotation and, you know, contract wise, playing wise, whatever it is. Um, and, and Bridges, you know, I don't know. It was funny. I don't know if I felt like like I don't know if I would have been able to predict this. I loved his game and I felt like we'd seen flashes in the finals of him being able to do some real scoring. Um, but then I would see other instances where it wasn't going great, but then you realize, yeah, he'd probably shoot once every with like 10 to 15 minutes in between each shot. That ain't easy. Right. Yeah. To your point about like, there's a bunch of players that could fill it up. Now, if we give a lot of NBA players, the keys, they'll be able to average 20 plus points, but does that player having the keys give your team the best chance to win? Like, that's what it is. Like, yes, they could put the numbers up, but can they put the numbers up? and give their team the best chance to win. So, you know, if you give Cam Thomas the ball he and a lot of playing time, which he, he should get more playing time, he could get 30-point games, right? Right. But are you going to win games with Cam Thomas being your go-to scorer? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Now, um, but, you, but, you know, having hope is good. I mean, they might have something here where they can kind of uh, develop some stuff and then be very competitive. Uh, you know, again, title contenders, no, but, like, it's it's fun uh, to have that. Now, the talker wants to at least say that can we agree that TV breaks in the NBA game suck, and absolutely that's a problem. Uh, I went with a, a buddy of mine and his son who's in seventh grade who doesn't like – he likes basketball. I'm actually training him, but he doesn't like watching the games. And he said, he's like, if they didn't have timeouts, I would love it. And it's just like it takes too long. It interrupts the flow. And, and that and I love that about FIBA is the timeouts are really short. There are very few. And uh, the games are two hours tops. And there's a good rhythm there. I love that part of it. And just you just don't ever it will never happen in the NBA. They have to make some rule changes because well, it's too much money. They have to have the breaks. They have the money to have the ads. Yeah. But how about to speed up the game? Like I think like the G League experimented with two for one on free throws. I think that's a good idea especially like if it's not the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. Well, if you make the first one, you get two points. If you miss the first one, you get zero. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the baseball's doing it right now. I went to a minor league baseball game while I was away in Florida. 
uh, where they have a 15 second clock and then a 20 second clock if there's a man on base. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, that was really good. Like, there was a really good flow and the game was going nicely. Uh, I, I really think that that's that was important. So yes, if they could figure that out, uh, you know, and I guess it could even just be shaving seconds off of those timeouts somehow uh, could be something. And I feel like they tried doing that. Um, you know, you didn't have a lot of time to like when they're inbounding the ball, they, they try to trim around there, which could, could add up eventually. So um, we have another super chat though. This one's from, I believe uh, England, right? That's the, the pound uh, symbols. Thank you so much from Marek Keska. What are some of the biggest problems in today's basketball? Wow. That's a great, great question. Uh, you want to jump on that one? Yeah. The biggest problem in today's basketball is that many people think when they get on the basketball court, how do I get my shots up instead of how do we get up the best shot possible? Okay. Okay. Uh, So it's a player's mindset issue is what you have. Yes. Everybody just wants to get shots up and they're not trying to get their team the best shot. Who do we get the ball to? Who has the mismatch? Who is our best player? Who is great in this situation that we're currently in on the court? Well, who who would you say is responsible for that to, to fix that? Whoa, coaches on the grassroots level. I mean, coaches. Period. Right. That that's sort of the, the job uh, to, to to have the players understand what a good shot is, what good offense is, what good defense is. I mean, theory. Um, you know that you that that is the uh, the the failing there. Uh, I'll probably go another step and just sort of say there. I think we're still, you know, not training uh, well enough across the board. I still think that there's enough residual uh, nonsense that we had, you know, been teaching for you know the first hundred years of the game that are still hanging around. Look, man, I'm the biggest gym rat you'll ever know, but I would also say there's a problem with overtraining. I think some players aren't playing their sport enough, and they're becoming skill development robots. No, you you think they're playing their sport too much. No, I don't think they're playing their sport enough. And I think they're doing too many drills, too much skill development, and not balancing that with playing their sport enough. Oh, I see. I see. I could, to me, when you said overtraining, to me, it's just like you're just, you're just playing too much. But, uh, and, and then, then on the flip side, I'm thinking, well, should they be playing other sports as well? In that well, that, I mean, there is studies, to your point, that, you know, there's a, chance, a bigger chance for overuse injuries if you're only playing one sport. Look, I was like really – like I played some Little League baseball and some soccer, but I was really a basketball guy. But I just feel like I also played a lot of basketball while I was working on my game, and a lot of kids just want to work on their game and not play. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. When I was growing up, the games were the thing. We wanted to play whatever kind of version of pickup or organize whatever we could do. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of that individual drill stuff, amazingly enough. And as a result, like, you know, I didn't, I never developed my handle well enough uh, to my liking because there just wasn't the right kind of training. And and what, what I was doing and trying a lot of, did the, I would never do with anybody anymore because it doesn't work. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're, we're moving somewhere and I think people are now kind of grasping a little bit more how to do this, at least on the training level. I think we're getting better with that because again, you don't need to, yeah. Like for me, if I'm helping a guy shoot better, uh, we don't need to shoot 500 shots every day or whatever people say. Hopla just came out there and said, you got to make 500 shots. And I kind of just, we're me and a bunch of the guys are just chuckling at that. Um, that's, that's overuse. That's, that's, you know, some, some, you know why you had to make 500 shots back in the day? Because the coaching was so bad. And the guys that taught that were the old way to teaching shooting, uh, like you had to, you had to shoot on your own, which is what you'd be doing to make 500 a day. And that's where you finally got away from the bad coaching and actually became a better shooter. 
So, so you know, and meanwhile, if you were a better coach and you knew how to teach that better, you would, you, you could do it in a hundred shots, not 500. It's insane. Um, yeah. Anyway, I I'm, think, yeah, I think balance is the key, right? Like you said, you needed that skill development in your own game to learn how to handle the basketball, which is absolutely true. But, you know, if you're only playing and not doing enough skill development, you should be working on that. If you're doing a lot of skill development and playing a lot, you might need to hit the weights as well and work on your physical development. It's just basketball is almost like when you're working with a player, it's almost like a diagnosis. Like, what does he need? Where's his balance? Where could he fill the gap? Right. So that's what it's all about to me. You need to balance all these things in the right way. And a lot of kids don't have the right guidance. Right. So it's hard to self-diagnosis yourself. Oh, I asked, and you know, and I got it. I got it. Somebody was yelling at me on Twitter today, another coach, because um, I I made the mistake of replying to somebody who just got. They're they're going to read Bobby Knight's book um, uh, here, uh, the the power of negative thinking, an unconventional approach to achieving positive results. And I remember looking at this. This is not a new book from Bobby Knight. This is a while back, and I, I remember looking into it and sort of reading excerpts and getting a handle on what it was. It felt a little bit like a troll job where he's just like, you all, you new agey people who want to be positive coaches, you know, that doesn't work. You got to, you know, break them down and all this bullshit. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, some guy wanted to push back and say, have you read it? Are you just cherry picking to fit some sort of narrative? I mean, there's nobody who's more familiar with how Bobby Knight coached and the methods he used than I am. And uh, I know that that book deals with defending that, that point of view and it's nonsense. So, I, maybe I'll even get it and I'll read through it and I'll see what what it says on a on a mac on a micro level. But um, you, you know the effect you can have. I even tweeted out the other day. I said, you know, uh, there are people that say, you know, you got to tell the players what they have, what they what they need to hear, right? Uh, you know, or sometimes you got to do that. But it's a fine line between doing that and destroying a player's confidence to the point where they don't ever perform the way they could. And that's that's a real frustrating uh, uh, notion because uh, the the coaches that feel like they have to tell the players the things they don't want to hear don't know how to properly convey that information to make it constructive. And that's that's the interesting thing about that. Yeah, man. I mean, I played for some pretty uh, out there coaches of uh, maybe the Bobby Knight elk. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. So, I mean, like like all kinds of crazy stuff I've seen uh, coaches doing. No, it probably wasn't the best. So I agree with you. Right. And it, you know, we're, we're trying to optimize. We're trying to get you the best out of you. And that, if that's really the goal, then you don't do what Bobby Knight did. Now let, now let me make it clear. The way Bobby Knight teams played was exactly the way you're supposed to play basketball. They played basketball the right way. Like they really were impressive in that, in that sense. Um, but that doesn't mean that like what he was doing with the mental torture it, it was justified. It, not at all. You know, you could easily have gotten that from, you know, teaching a, a radically different way and probably even more. And he won a couple of titles, but um, you know, there were, there were mo- moments too, or maybe he might've gotten to three, but uh, you know, he, he, he engendered so much ill will from his players that it's like, I don't think it ends up being worth it. it you know, and he might've been like, I don't care. They're not supposed to like me, you know, all that kind of stuff. But like at some point when you're, you know, you're getting run out of your job and you're getting fired multiple times because you can't behave, uh, that is that that should that is, that is a reflection and that that should should go negatively on your record. Uh, we have another super chat. It's actually not a question, but Santos just wanted to, I guess, give us a little uh, high five. So thank you so much, Santos, for that. I really appreciate that. That's very nice of you. And uh, you know, if you have a question, maybe throw it in there, and I'll we'll try and find it in the uh, comments. But I gave him the prayer hands. It's, it's an emoji, you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. 
Uh, by the way, if you're not following me on Twitter, you get more of a stream of consciousness of what I'm thinking and what I'm saying, uh, you know, from one minute to the next. So somebody wanted to ask, uh, Huggable Cat wanted to ask if I'd seen the new Ted Lasso. So we've talked about Ted Lasso, I think, before. I, I had been in the coaching clinic where I literally said, I will Venmo you 20 bucks each, whoever you know, reaches out to me, so you can, re- uh, you can get Apple TV Plus for a month and watch all the Ted Lassos. Uh, I think it's that good. Uh, yeah, very, very excited. It was like 10 o'clock at night, so it wasn't the 15th yet for me on the West Coast, but yet all of a sudden, oh, and w- what we did was we watched the last five or six episodes from season two just to kind of get ready last night, and all of a sudden, after the last one of season two, Season three just started playing. It was amazing. And I, I tweeted it. I was very, very excited. So um, I did watch it. I think it's, uh, you know, I, I'm a little bit, they're, they're kind of, do you watch Ted Lasso at all? I have no idea what that is. You have no idea what it is even? You don't even know like the name Ted Lasso doesn't mean anything to you? Oh. Maybe I'm in a basketball bubble. Combo, combo, combo. Okay. Ted Lasso is a fictional character played by Jason Sudeikis, who you probably don't know who that is either, right? No idea. But Jason Sudeikis was a regular, uh, was a cast member on Saturday Night Live. Really hilarious. Maybe by, well, if he was on Saturday Night Live, maybe by face. Yeah, you, you, you would probably recognize him because he's in everything, and he's hilarious. What um, years was he on Saturday Night Live? What, what years, years and years and years. You know, um, he played, yeah, uh, well, he, he did a, a really good version of, um, of a Joe Biden. But, like, you know, I'm trying to think of, like, the Will Ferrell-style stuff he would do. Uh, oh, I know. Did you ever watch... Um, uh, What's up with that? You know, that recurring show they would have on Saturday Night Live, What's Up With That? And then um, uh, Keegan, would, would, Keegan would say, would sing the song, ooh-wee, what's up with that? Oh, my God. Anyway. You know, the one I remember is, okay, I remember the, the Bears. I remember that. I remember, you're, oh, wow. the, the, I remember the guy that was like, you're tall enough, you're good enough. Oh, yeah, you're in the 90s, man. Like, that's so old. But, uh, yeah, no, Sudeikis is more recent. Anyway, Coach, like, Coach Nick is called me old. Yeah, Sudeikis is hilarious. He didn't even speak in that in that runner of a of a sketch. But he'd be wearing a red and a red uh, Adidas tracksuit uh, okay. and doing like the um, you know the Running Man in the background. It was it just was hilarious for no reason. Was, uh, was Good Burger started Saturday Night Live? This is Good Burger. Uh, I don't good think Burger. so. No, no, that was that was Nickelodeon. That was Nickelodeon. Yeah, that was anyway, so Ted Lasso was a, a series of commercials they did. They invented this character for a, as a soccer. Oh, you know what? I don't even remember what if he was. Maybe he was a football coach. And they and they did a series for like oh boy, someone might tell me in the comments what it was for, like Nike or whatever. Maybe it was Nike. Uh, and they were they're really funny commercials. So someone's like, hey, you should make that into a, a, a TV show. And so they 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 created this TV show where uh, this guy was a small town, you know, uh, football small college football coach who gets uh, hired to coach a soccer team in the premier league in England. And, um, you know, having no, really no, no idea what it was. And we find out that the owner, uh, it was a new owner uh, who took over from her ex-husband who wanted to sink the, the, uh, the club into, uh, you know, uh, into the mud and, and have to be, be terrible. A little bit like major league. Did you ever see that movie major league? Yes. So it's a little bit like that, right? Where they wanted the team to lose and be terrible, but it turns out Ted Lasso is a great coach. He had a little good support system with him with the assistants, and they played way beyond their abilities because Ted was that positive coaching guy that that we I, I espouse now. And, and it was amazing to watch because, listen, when you're writing a script, you can force whatever result you want from whatever interaction you're writing the, the dialogue, right? 
But I know that behaving the way he does works. And we and you get that reaction. You get those results anyway. So it was just great to be able to watch it unfold. And hopefully it continues to inspire more and more coaches to be, to be that way. Because he's, he's really funny. He's really positive. Um, you know what I mean? He knows how to channel the, the, the energy into a team to, you know, uh, get them to play above their heads. And that's, that's really what you want. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, there was a time period where coaches and I think it was maybe like the 80s and the 90s where it really got crazy with coaches. Right. It kind of hit a tipping point And now we're back. But, you know, part of it is is that uh, player mobility changed some of this. Right. Like the transfer portal portal in college, the the way players move around in the NBA. So you can't really treat players too harshly or they'll just leave. Uh, right. And I, it was funny because even when I was coaching the high school level, um, listen, if a kid didn't want to be there, I didn't want him to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah, listen, yeah. please go. If you don't want to be you know, a part of our team. So my focus was I wanted to create an environment so good that no one would want to leave. You know, I'm not there to be their friend. We're not going to be whatever. But I wanted to make it where they were getting they knew they were getting the best training. Uh, they were getting the best uh, environment to improve their own games and be part of a team that's going to play like a team uh, and learn how to play on both ends. Um, you know, and, and have that trust that that's what was happening with them. That, that's what I wanted to create. And, and, and I didn't have any, I mean, nobody left. So that, I think that's a good example of that, but um, that, that should be the focus. It's not like I'm so mad. God damn it. Why are they, you know, these you, you, people are allowed to transfer. It's too easy. You should just focus on what you can control, which is making the program as good as you possibly can. So people don't want to leave. That's, and that was my take. Um, yeah, I agree. We, people are talking a little bit about, uh, and we could talk about this uh, to wrap up, I guess. Uh, you know, have you noticed what James Wiseman's doing on the, on the court these days? I have. I texted you. Well, yeah, but they don't know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, he's playing well. He's playing well. well. Uh, yeah, he's been playing very nicely. Um, you know, he's been getting uh, a lot of starts, and he's been getting a lot of minutes. And so if you look at, let me, let's look at. Um, but also, but Coach, we also do have to shed light on Jabari Smith Jr. is playing better and Evan Mobley. All those guys are playing better. Uh, is Evan Mobley playing better? I feel like he wasn't. Am I? Am I? Uh, did I forget that? I think he has been lately, and definitely Jabari Smith. I he 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 played really well against the Celtics, and they won. Uh, okay. Well, I'm looking up. You know, it's funny. It's interesting. Like I put up this uh, Brandon Miller tweet on Instagram, and somebody said, and they don't even play the same position. They don't even play the same position, so it doesn't make sense. He's like, I, I hope. Hopefully, he turns out better than Jabari Smith. And I wasn't even the biggest Jabari Smith guy, but how do you say turns out when a guy hasn't even finished his rookie year yet? I, I agree. I, you, know, you know what I mean? We, we have to be a lot more patient. Wiseman is a great example of that, too. I mean, the guy yeah. wanted to get him off. So in the last 12 games, um, he started them all, I believe, yeah. And then he's averaging 13 points, shooting 54.4% from the field. Um, he's actually taking almost one three a game. He's not hitting them, but he's, taking a, he's sneaking one in there. Um, and let's see, and you know, 1.2 blocks in 26 minutes, very robust numbers, uh, and nine rebounds a game. Uh, you know, that, that was what, you know, I figured he, and I, you know, by the way, I, he could have done that in, in Golden State. Sorry, sorry to, to burst that bubble, but he easily could have done that. Um, and, and I, I just don't understand exactly what, why they didn't, they couldn't see it, but, um, you know, this is a good springboard for him uh, to go from 13, nine and 26 minutes to, you know, 18 and 11 with, uh, you know, 32 minutes a game and feeling more comfortable in the team um, and really being a solid player at that position, like like a better version of Capella. Yeah, it goes back to the opportunity conversation we had earlier, right? Like 
If you yeah. put a lot of NBA players in the right situation, you know, they're going to flourish. And I'm just happy to see that he's getting playing time and that he's playing well because it is a good sign. Yeah, I, I got the – you know what? I haven't gotten the chance to watch the Cleveland Cavaliers in a little bit. So, but, you know, okay, well, let's look at Evan Mobley's last 12 games. He's at 18.7 points a game uh, and shooting 53 53%, which is great to see. Uh, he's not hitting three as well. He's taking a couple a game. Uh, and then 8.8 rebounds. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot more minutes, like if we want to compare it to Wiseman, which we shouldn't, but 34 and Yeah, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. You, you know, but I, I think those are pretty good numbers, especially like the Cavs aren't a bad team, you know? Yeah, good and then 1.3 blocks. Someone wanted to sort of argue that – um that like Evan Mobley is the anchor of the defense. And I, I don't know. I mean, him and, him and Jared Allen, Jared Allen does a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, I would, I probably would still say that Allen is still like the anchor. Uh, although what is an anchor of a defense? What is MVP? We, there, there's a lot of sort of qu- questions we have. We didn't even get into that yet. I got to do a video on that because the pushback, you know, if we can do two minutes on this, the pushback uh, on Jokic has been pretty severe. Uh, and it's not just like the fatigue of like, well, he's won two in a row already, but he's played better. His team's better. Um, this is the year he, he deserves it. So here's, here's my thing. When people say that he has, to, if he wins three, he has to win a championship. He has to, he has to. And I'm just thinking like, isn't this a regular season award? What does that have to do with anything? Him winning championships. Oh, I agree. It is. It is. Well, it's a regular season award, but we don't know. What is it supposed to reward? Is it, is it the, the most valuable player to his specific team? It, is it the guy who had the best season offensively than anybody else? Uh, you know, uh, it, it's unclear to me. I'm not sure we've ever even gotten an answer from the voters of what, how, what they want to feel like it is. Um, you know, I, I always felt like in my mind, you, you probably should have a lot of wins. You should be in the, in the top two or three in your, in the conference, uh, to win that award regular season, of course. Um, you know, and, in, but by the way, like the other thing, I, and I got in trouble when I was talking about Giannis, uh, and, and then Shaq is in the same, is, is really the, the root of this argument was, uh, it's hard for me to understand how you can be the MVP of the league. If you never get the ball, uh, a play called for you at the end of the game to win the game for your team. Now, Shaq never did that because they were going to follow him and they didn't want to shoot the free throws. Uh, Giannis was like that. Giannis, you know, you'd see Middleton running it. Now, it's, it's a little bit different now, and Giannis is definitely doing it more. Thank goodness. It's great to see. Uh, but, you know, there, there are times, and I have a feeling when we get into the playoffs, we're going to see Middleton with the ball and Giannis ball screen, and he'll roll, and they'll maybe lob it to him or whatever. Um, that just fascinates me that he's not that guy in the last possession who they're going to give it to and say, create the shot uh, for us to win it. Yeah, Chris Middleton's definitely their closer. Um, you know, I think it's between Jokic and um, Embiid. I mean, Giannis is on a really good team, so he's in the mix as well. Uh, yeah, I, I still have Jokic, but, you know, the Denver hasn't been playing as well as of late. So it looks like it's trending towards Embiid right now, but I would still go with Jokic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Denver's lost four in a row. Uh, dog days of the, of the season. This is, this is the area right now in the middle of March where everyone just gets really tired. They're all beat up. Uh, they kind of take plays off. So, you know, and then it, it, I would say within about a week from now or so, that's when everything kind of starts to ramp up toward the playoffs and you start to see some really good stuff. So I, I expect we'll see some really good, you know, games. Uh, always, always great to see that, especially when it's time with like March Madness. And so now we don't know what to look at and watch because uh, there's too much going on. Uh, we have another super chat from King Jaffe Joffer. Thank you so much, friend of the breakdown. Wiseman is still the same guy. He's just getting minutes on a basement team. Look at the tape. I mean, okay, uh, but he, but Wiseman could have been getting that same stuff, uh, and he was the first five games of the season with the Warriors. 
He was shooting 70%. He was rolling. He was getting, uh, you know, nice roll passes and finishes and blocking a shot or two. I mean, it was really bizarre to me that they overnight, they decided like he couldn't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, who is that same guy? It's a guy who runs like a gazelle at seven two. nice touch around the rim, good hands, uh, hard worker, willing to, willing to work and get better and, and, and learn. Um, those are things that all add up to my, in my mind to be a guy who can be an all-star eventually. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely has the potential. That's for sure. Um, I, I would like to see him shoot a couple more threes. It doesn't have to be like eight, but you know, two or three would be nice. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's tough because he really, he looks so much like a traditional center and he plays that way, right? He really plays like the David Robinson uh, kind of guy pretty much. So they almost feel like, uh, you know, he, he and I, you'll, you know that there are players who simply like they're forbidden from doing that. Uh, but it looks like they're willing to do it. And it's a good situation. There's no pressure on him. So let him develop a little bit more and see, but um, this is not um, the, the King Jaffe. I'm sorry, but he doesn't have awful hands. Uh you know, and this awareness thing is kind of silly, too. I feel like um, what, what I see in terms of awareness was like what he was trying to do defensively around the rim was figure out how to be able to jump like and use verticality without fouling and but still pressure the shot. And there were times when, OK, the guy got right around him and he wasn't didn't want to foul and he was up and, and, and the guy just got an easy shot, you know, instead. But what I see him is trying is the wheel spinning in his brain, figuring out like, okay, okay, I can't, that's a little bit too extreme of a, a space or whatever. I got to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, and I like that. I feel like that's the, um, that's the difference, but I'll watch some more tape. I've seen a little bit. I haven't seen the last like few games though, but I'll, I'll go watch. I mean, I know what, what I'm going to see is a guy who's rolling hard to the rim and getting an, uh, easy shots around there. Um, you know, I'll, and I'll check some more of the defense, but that's what I was seeing a lot with his defense. And so, you know, but th- you cannot say w- w- credibly that he's got bad hands. I don't think you can say that at all. Uh, he, and then he'll send me a hundred dollars super chat if my tape doesn't show hundreds of drops. Uh, okay, great. Uh, I will. Um, I will go. I will go study that right now. But I've seen a lot. I've seen hundreds of his, of his possessions this season. I don't. I don't, I, I don't believe it. Uh, all right. Well, what do you say? I think it's time to wrap up. It's a nice hour long show. Games are going on. Did the March Madness start? Is it the uh, play? Yeah, yeah. They they started the play. There were some good games on uh, last night. Um, oh, already? Jeez. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some close ones. There was one overtime game I was watching. Huh. All right. Well, yeah. I gotta go. I gotta go see my uh, the game of the kid I'm tra- training tonight, seven thirty. So we'll see. Uh, that's my basketball for tonight. Sounds good. Sounds good, Coach Nick. All right, Combo. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks everyone for being out there. Thanks for the super chats. So generous of all you guys, King Jaffe. Keep you. I'll, I'll keep you in mind uh, with uh, the Wiseman stuff. And don't forget, sports fans, the people breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? Yes, sir.